Welcome to Between Two Barrels, a twice-weekly podcast recorded at Studio 66, presented by Tennessee Legend Distillery. Between Two Barrels is a show that highlights legends of all shapes and sizes from across the state of Tennessee. From the queen of country Dolly Parton to the elusive Tennessee Wildman. From our head distiller to our legendary staff and products. On this show, you will learn some terms of the alcohol industry, as well as learn some awesome recipes for food and cocktails alike. Join us as we journey through the volunteer state to bring you stories of legends that involve the beautiful state of Tennessee, from country music as well as rock and roll royalty, cryptids, distillery origins, carbonated beverage beginnings, and everything in between. This show truly highlights what makes a legend a Tennessee legend. What's up, Legends? Welcome back to another episode of the Between Two Barrels podcast. I'm your host, Opie, joined by the co-host, the manager, B. Low. What's up, B? Well, not a whole lot. You know, since the last time we hung out, the Pro Bowl has happened. We're officially in Super Bowl week, and if you are a little bit confused at the moment, do not adjust that dial. You are listening to the Between Two Barrels podcast. We just wanted to take this opportunity to let you know, if you have not seen the Studio 66 page, that we uh, have announced that the Cocky Top podcast will be going on a short hiatus. Yes. Uh, we are going to be having a season finale show talking about, of course, the Super Bowl that I just mentioned. Our thoughts on the college senior bowl. We might talk about the East-West Shrine game and a few other things as well as our thoughts on the recent alliance between the two superpowers that are, is college football, that being the SEC and the Big Ten, and all of the different indictments, things that are going mm-hmm. on with Tennessee, uh, their responses uh, back to the NCAA, and what the potential future may hold. I know that we spoke a lot of it on the Cocky Top podcast, talking about you know our thoughts on what could potentially happen with a a non-NCAA-controlled college football world. Um, I think the NCAA is still here to stay. Uh, It's just going to look really different. Yeah, there'll be some sort of settlement. uh, Maybe some sort of... They'll uh, say something like, we're hands-off, when they're really not hands-off. No, I think they're going to continue to be hands-on, but I think that you are going to basically have a situation to where your NCAA-sanctioned schools are going to wind up becoming the quote-unquote farm leagues for... The big boys. The the Big Ten SEC, which is now going to become your... They will be expanded. Yes. Um, You will wind up... I mean, SEC's already at 16 teams. Well, I saw... Big uh, Ten is at 14 teams. You're going to wind up having made a makeshift SEC 2014 map. Right. Who that would be, what it would look like. Oh, yeah, including uh, Virginia, West Virginia. Bringing back uh, Tulane. Yeah. Stuff Uh, Several of those different teams. And then the same thing. And just looking at that map, I was like, 
Works for me. Yeah, the same thing Why happening not? with the Big Ten, and that basically becoming your new NFC, AFC, but of the college yeah. world. Yeah. And then all of these other smaller schools will wind up being feeders. the suppliers. Yeah, feeders. To these colleges, like with the way the NIL or transfer portal and stuff like that works, you'll have the people who make it big, you know, yeah. in those respective conferences, what is now the Pac-12, the Big 12, uh, um, Mac, uh, uh, Sunbelt, you know, all of those different teams will wind up being, like you said, feeder teams to whatever becomes of the SEC and Big Ten schools, whatever that becomes named or whatever the case may be. But yeah, um, just after the Super Bowl uh, next week, of course, we are going to have that finale show and then we will resume our regular scheduled Hockey Top broadcast in um, probably mid-August because that will be wrapping up uh, fall camp and then the the beginning of the regular season. So we'll probably do all that stuff, like I said, resume that show in uh, mid to late August. But to get on with uh, this week's show, <clears throat> excuse me, just wanted to let you know, of course, uh, current store hours are operating from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Sunday through Thursday and 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. on Friday and Saturday at the Highway 66 location, seven days a week. And Newport Highway location is uh, open from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Now, March 1st, we will go back to opening at 9 a.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. on Sunday, closing at 9 p.m. nightly at the Winfield Dunn location. Of course, you can keep up with all the information by following the different social sites on Facebook. That's Tennessee Legend Distillery, the Nashville, Cookville, or Sevier County locations. You can follow them individually or even better, just go ahead and follow all three of them. Or on Instagram, it's TN Legend for all the locations and Nash for Nashville, CKVL for Cookville, or Sevco, that's S E V C O for Sevier County. Of course, like we've said in the past, lots of new products coming out, some of our own and several with our partners over at Anthem Spirits. Opie. I have mm. seen some of the artwork, and I have seen some of the new bottles, especially the new Flag Series bottles for the Assassin's Creed products. I probably just said more My than I should have. I have seen the calming. <laughs> yes, um, those look fantastic. Really? Um, the the gin bottle is beautiful. Exciting. The American whiskey bottle is, is fantastic oh. looking. Yeah. Um, and they definitely will be uh, a welcomed addition to the Assassin's Creed Black Flag, mm -hmm. Edward Kimway Black Flag, uh, Spice Drum that we currently already have. You'll have to wait and see what the spirits are going to be in these different bottles. Or I just said uh, the gin and the, the whiskey. The gin is based off of uh, Syndicate. I actually didn't play that one. <coughs> yeah, I and think somebody's preconceived thumbs down of it kept me from playing it. Right. And I was like, why did you do that? Because now it's been years, and I'm like, mm, I'd kind of like to go back and play it. But I don't know. Right. And I play Syndicate. And then there's some other ones. But I loved three. Yes. I loved three. So I'm excited for that bottle. There's some other ones that are going to be coming out. And like I said, mm -hmm. I've seen the artwork for these. Uh, like I said, some for Anthem, some for Tennessee Legend Distillery on the Well, own. we have a new flavor coming out this year. And that I think when it drops... I'll say this. I think what the flavor is 
for TLD when the flavor drops, it's going to fly off the shelves. Oh, more than likely. It's going to fly off the shelves. And um, there's actually been another one that's been entered into the mix. Uh-oh. Um, that was has been recently mm-hmm. talked about, and we're probably going to have a lot more of that stuff drop on the social media site. So yeah. the best way to keep up yes. with all this stuff, of course, is to make sure that you are keeping up on the different social sites. Because we have something fun happening next month. Something we do every year. Yes. And if you're part of our social media following, you get to participate in it. But you can't unless you're following us. That's so right. So jump on the social medias. March is around the corner. Madness may ensue. You never know what's going to happen. But you're definitely going to want to be following for it. Yes. Absolutely. Some legacy contenders mm. entering the mix this time. Uh, and if all goes as some it's people like are Michael hoping. Jordan coming back to play in the, right. against Kobe Bryant and stuff. But but Michael coming back in and playing at North Carolina in that yes. aspect. Yes. So Not for the Wizards. No. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, of course, we've talked about... Uh, couple of episodes uh gatlinburg brewing company's pizza of the moment is the loaded baked potato pizza did you finally have one i I had it friday i took it with me friday not friday thursday yeah thursday yes Yes. thursday's when i had it uh thursday i was leaving had knew that dinner was on me because it was our final dress right and I, I went next door, and I was like, you know, I was like, I went next door to give something to Nariah. Right. That she needed, that I had I, to give something to her. And she said, you want something? I was like, I, I do need to eat. And then she was like, well, you know, our pizza of the moment. And I was like, yeah, 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 loaded baked potato. I know. Brian's talked about it. And she's like, I can take the green onions off for you. I went, okay. All right, Nariah. You twisted my arm. You talked me into it. And so I ended up eating it whilst driving. And at the first red light I got to, where we actually stopped, I texted her and said, holy F. (laughs) (laughs) She said, right. I said, this is a game changer. It's a great one. (laughs) It's a great one. It was so good. (laughs) Like, I didn't know. Like, I missed out on it last year. Right. And I did not know that a baked potato belongs on pizza. Right. Forget the pineapple on pizza argument. Oh, no, no. You need potato on A pizza. loaded baked potato on pizza is... It was... You get the best of both worlds. Like I said, it's it pizza was and potatoes. changing And, like, the cheese they use on it instead of, like, mm-hmm. red sauce. Holy crap. And the sour cream ring. It just all comes together. It does. It really does. It's a, it's a, it's a really good one. Uh, um, what should become a staple in comfort food. Agreed. A, a loaded baked potato pizza. Speaking of the brewery, if you are going to be in town this weekend, definitely recommend heading over to the brewery. You mm-hmm. can get a great pizza, but also Sini Hunt will be playing live at the brewery on Friday and Saturday night, the 9th and 10th from 6 to 9 p.m. Now, if you have heard the name or if the name Sini Hunt is familiar to you, uh, he is a self-taught singer-songwriter and percussive guitarist who embarked on a remarkable journey from the Sierra Leone to the United States. Do you know where the Sierra Leone is? Isn't that a mountain range? Yes, but do you know where it's at? No. West Africa. Holy crap. Yes. Alongside his twin sister. So guitar, you're like slapping it, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you got the different slaps as yeah. well as the strums and picks and stuff like that going on. That's a talent. But yes, alongside his twin sister, he was adopted and brought his profound love for West African rhythms and percussion to his new home. Having endured the hardships of Sierra Leone's Diamond Wars during his early childhood, Sini sought solace in the enchanting beats of the Djembe drum, allowing him to creatively process his traumas. Upon arriving in America, Sini's father introduced him to the guitar, igniting a wave of experimentation where he skillfully merged traditional guitar styles with a captivating percussive groove, a testament to his West African heritage, drawing inspiration from esteemed musicians like Stevie Ray Vaughan, B.B. King, the Allman Brothers, as well as later influences such as Michael Hedges, Tommy Emanuel, and Andy McKee. Sini has honed his craft by meticulously studying live performances. Wow. Yes, showcasing a mesmerizing, mesmerizing approach and unique style, Sini captivates audiences with his live looping, crafting performances that are a captivating blend of eclecticism, power, and artistic finesse. Despite his youth, Sini has amassed an impressive body of work, continuously composing and pushing creative boundaries. Recognized for his mastery of the guitar, Sini was honored with the Innovators Award at the GSM Music Awards. Oh, wow. Yes. Additionally, his remarkable talent earned him nominations for Best Male Performer of the Year in 2021 and the Rising Star Award in 2022 at the esteemed New England Music Awards. His career highlights includes being the opening act for renowned artists such as Richard Thompson, the Levin Brothers, Brooks Young, Davey Touré, Chris Allen, Robert Randolph, the Wailers, and recycled percussions. I know the yeah. yeah. For more info and links to listen to Sini's unique sound, go to www.sinihunt.com. That's www.senihunt.com. Awesome. Not to mention, I think they're going to be playing the big game on Sunday on yes, the screens as well. Of course, we've been making sure to let you know, as far as traffic is concerned in the area, the new Ford dealership is this much closer mm -hmm. to being opened up. So they still have a lot of construction going on for that, about to wrap up, but Target is just getting fully underway. So construction, big trucks and yeah, stuff going in and out of that area. Do we even have a tournament this weekend? Nope. No no tournament this weekend. this weekend. Nope. And they are almost done with uh, the lights in a few places in the area. We've got just a couple more weeks, and that's pretty much done. Uh, but other than that, one oh, of the main wow. things that you need to not do is forget to get tickets for those remaining opportunities yes. to come see you in yes. Clue. Yes, absolutely. You have three more chances to see it. All of last weekend sold out very quickly. And this one is, I believe Friday is like within a few seats left. And Saturday and Sunday are selling quickly too. So you're going to want to go to etcplays.org to reserve your tickets for that show. Um, it's, it's everyone's favorite murder mystery board game brought to life on stage. And it's got a lot of amazing talented actors and actresses. Funny to boot. Um, you can reserve online and pay at the door. You don't have to pay the second you reserve if you don't want to but you can pay online you can reserve online and pay at the door 
Um, but yeah, those seats are going very quickly for this last weekend, and we are unable to hold over for another weekend because we got other things going on at Encore the next weekend. So that's right, Charlotte's Web coming yes, up. Yes, Charlotte's Web. We we uh, Josh and I are directing it, and we saw over fifty kids audition for the parts with less than half parts to give out. So. Broke some some little hearts this past week, <laughs> but like you said on <laughs> previous episode, it definitely it's part gave. Of the process. Yeah, yes, it's absolutely part of the process. I myself, um, you've little, experienced little it a Tyler few times in third grade. Tried out for his John Hay elementary basketball team, didn't make it. Didn't make third, fourth, or fifth, or sixth, seventh, or eighth at Metaview. I literally made no school teams until freshman baseball, right at East High. So I know that that sucks, and it's but it is an, a lesson, sadly, that we have to learn in life. Uh, if it, we were on a bigger stage, we would have taken more kids. I can say right. that because uh, they were just the amount of talent that we saw over two days of auditions. I was like, okay, the future of theater is bright in this and, area. And and you also have an idea of potentially some roles yes. for shows down the future road. Future products, yes. Mm-hmm. Future projects. Like, I was mm-hmm. like, <clears throat> some of these shows that we haven't even, like, announced yet, I'm like, they'll get a part in that. Or yeah. they'll, they'll get a part in that. Or, oh, next season maybe we could do this because I could see this group of kids doing that. And so, yes, the, the future of theater is bright in Morristown if, just based off the, the amount of kids we saw there in auditions. So, uh, we're excited for that, and then Encore goes f- straight from Charlotte's Web into Godspell, uh, which I'm assistant directing that, and then straight from that into Something Rotten, which will happen at Jeff County High School, big musical, um, kind of a Shakespearean spoof. Right. He's a character in it, and uh, the way that Broadway, when it was running on Broadway, the way that they sold it is, do you like Shakespeare? Well, you should see this show. Do you hate Shakespeare? Well, you should see this show. <laughs> so, um, as someone who, who's not a big fan of Shakespeare, uh, I'm excited to do that. Then we got Finding Nemo, which is our second Young oh, Star wow. show. And then, after Finding Nemo, we have yet to announce our surprise holiday show. We don't know if it's going to be Christmas themed. I can't speak too much about it. It is a company secret. Uh, but that will be announced this spring. So... Doing some excited. early prep for that some one. Early prep for that one. Yes, we have not announced it yet. It's not part of the season. We haven't put it in our season lineup. We haven't told people what we're doing because we want to do some some fun stuff. And we're still kind of throwing it back, like, you know, where should we do it? You know. So a lot of since becoming a company member, I have learned a lot of things that go into the process of run of a nonprofit theater company that I had no idea. Like even my days years ago when I was artistic director at theater guild, I can boldly say that there were some processes we probably should have been doing then. Right. That I've learned through encore that I'm like, Oh wow, that's how you should really do it. Gotcha. It, it, similar, yeah. similar to climbing the coaching trees in yes. in the world of sports. Yes. You know, yes. different different stops, different places, yes. learn different 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 things. methods, different things that work, different things that don't work. But yeah, absolutely. What's the website one more time? Etcplays.org. I'm going to reserve my tickets. Good, good, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, a lot of great things going on. 
uh, last episode we had a a history lesson, my friends, about the origins, the birth, the uh, the arguments, the feud, the controversy. Yeah, I guess you would. An area once known as White Oak Flats, yeah, founded by one of the OGs of the uh, Sevier County yeah. area by the last name of Ogle, hailing originally from Edgefield, South Carolina, not too far away from where I'm really? originally from in South awesome. Carolina. Yeah, uh, then, about then. a 45-minute to an hour drive, uh, going a little bit more southeast of where I'm from because okay. uh, okay. it is getting into the low country yeah. where I'm originally more, a little yeah. bit more from the Midlands. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Downward. eventually leading into a, a petty squabble and mm-hmm. uh, 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 petty people do petty things and, and Radford yes, Gatlin uh, wanting to, to get one over on the, the folks of White Oak Flats whenever the federal government said, what is the name of this town for this post office? He exclaimed, Gatlinburg. It's my town. So, yeah. My general store, it's in my general store. This town's going to be named after me. Yeah. And, of course, as we learned, he was eventually run out of town. Yes. For being a Confederate sympathizer. Yes, he was. Uh, among other things. Amongst other things. <laughs> he wasn't just a Confederate sy- sympathizer. He was also a jerk. <laughs> just a jerk. Just a terrible guy all around. Um, but, yeah, we learned a lot about the birth of Gatlinburg, its origins, um, what it's become today. Um yeah, an absolute mecca. It's uh, a it's a mecca for the for Southern Vegas. Baptists. Yeah, the Vegas of the yes. South, if Vegas, you will. Vegas for Southern Baptists. Um, uh, a tourist trap built by black bears. Um, however you want to call it, but yeah, if you haven't listened to that, you absolutely need to check that out. You will learn some things that you did not know about the little mecca of Gatlinburg. This segment of Between Two Barrels is brought to you by the Smoky Mountain Rainforest Adventures. Located in the heart of the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee near Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge lies the Rainforest Adventures Zoo, which is open year-round with lots to see and do. Themed by one of the nation's finest zoological contractors, a former Animal Kingdom zoologist of Disney World, the Rainforest Adventures Zoo features over 600 live animals representing over 130 species. It is home to unique and beautiful creatures from both tropical and temperate climates alike, including reptiles, birds, mammals, and even the ever-so-popular and exotic axolotl. Book your visit today at rfadventures.com or stop by and see them at 109 NASCAR Drive in Sevierville, Tennessee. And when you do, tell them Tennessee Legend Distillery sent you. Uh, But this episode, we're going to talk about a very popular battle that took place in the area. A very popular battle from the st- that took place in the state of Tennessee. What are we talking about today, Bilo? We are going to be discussing the Battle of Fort Henry. Now, as someone who ha- is, of course, not a native Tennessean, mm-hmm. um, growing up, coming up through school, whenever we would talk about state history, of mm-hmm. course, I, mostly in South Carolina, learned of South Carolina battles. Yeah. You know, I learned about Charleston. Uh, Charleston, yeah. you know, the, the kickoff point Charles and stuff. Charlestown. Like, yeah, yeah, at the time. Uh, among several other places, you know, Fort Sumter, mm-hmm. uh, um, the the multitude uh, uh, of 
different battles. Uh, um, oh yeah, in the revolutionary time, South Carolina was a hot spot. Hot spot, just because of where it was located. I mean, you had the coastal. It's South Carolina and Georgia, one of uh, of a few states. Yeah. Um, North Carolina, uh, as well as um, Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, basically there along the the eastern coast that has the the multitude of landscapes where you can go from mountainous peaks all the way down to coastal mm. all in the same state so it, it just is a strategic place uh, a strategic yeah. state to hold in terms of you know battle in terms yeah. of war <clears throat> but yeah um not knowing about too many i mean you hear more famous ones uh battle of chickamauga and stuff yeah. like that about the state of tennessee um, but yeah, this one was one that I had not really heard a whole lot about before actually going in and looking into it, but one that actually served as a huge turning point, mm-hmm. uh, during the civil war. So, uh, getting into it, the battle of Fort Henry was fought on February the 6th, which is today as we are recording. So we are looking at <laughs> a, a historical I didn't plan uh, that. Uh, another historical uh, kismet <laughs> situation to where, uh, yeah, we wow. are recording on the history for this one. Okay. Uh, but, of course, this took place in 1862 in Stewart County, Tennessee, during the American Civil War. And it was the first important victory for the Union and Brigadier General Ulysses S. Grant in the Western Theater. Okay. Now, on February 4th and 5th, Grant landed two divisions just north of Fort Henry on the Tennessee River. The troops serving under Grant were the nucleus of the Union's successful army of the Tennessee Theater, although that name was not yet in use. Grant's plan was to advance upon the fort on February the 6th while it was being simultaneously attacked by Union gunboats commanded by Flag Officer Andrew Hull Foote. A combination of accurate and effective naval gunfire, heavy rain, and the poor sitting of the fort nearly inundated by rising river waters caused its commander, Brigadier General Lloyd Tillman, to surrender to foot before the Union Army even arrived. So Andrew already had a foothold in it. Yep. The surrender of Fort Henry opened the Tennessee River to Union traffic south of the Alabama border, and in the days following the fort surrender from February 6th through February 12th, Union raids used ironclad boats to destroy Confederate shipping and railroad bridges along the river. And on February 12th, Grant's army proceeded overland 12 miles to engage with Confederate troops in the Battle of Fort Donelson. That, of course, would be in the Nashville area. Because yeah. the, the Battle of Fort Henry took place further north, closer to the Kentucky border. Yeah. But yeah, at that point in time, of course, the South had a very strong hold yes. on the southern shipping lanes that were accessed through the Ohio River Valley, in effect, going through the Tennessee River. And of course, as you know... Um, and something that I learned, of course, later on in life, not necessarily then, but mm-hmm. I did do the four years of high school here at Sawyer County High School and learning about the TVA and stuff like that. Yes. And and how they basically become a, a basically a power broker 
in a sense, in terms of sending power further down uh, stream, Mm -hmm. in essence, selling the naturally flowing water through the state of Tennessee to states further south of the state into Alabama, Georgia, uh, uh, Mississippi, even eventually on down to like Louisiana and Florida and stuff like that. But of course, that just is a trickle down effect. Tennessee charges the states that it borders and then the other states wind up charging the other states that border them and it's just an effect where pretty much Florida gets the crap end of the deal or you know Louisiana gets the crap end of the deal but then they get to turn around and charge all the tourists (laughs) coming in from other places you know further north is the (laughs) trickle down economics yeah um so yeah, uh, uh, going back to the Battle of Fort Henry, it was a situation to where they were able to secure those waterways, which was a major supply chain for the South in effect at that time, mm. cutting off major supplies to different units for the Confederate Army, in effect making it very difficult for them to get resupplied, for them to, to be able to refortify and and was a an early deciding factor even though there were some gruesome battles in the years to come Mm -hmm. that one at that early point in time proved to be a very very strategic move in the the eventual outcome of the civil war because it severely limited the supplies that were able to be distributed amongst southern forces at the time That and the fact that Tennessee, for the most part, was more of a pro-Union state. It was, contrary to popular belief. Um, just led more to additional, you know, uh, the the quote-unquote downfall yep. of the Confederate States of America yeah. in the Civil War. Now, before that, going back to early 1861, the critical border state of Kentucky had declared neutrality much... Uh, uh, similar to Tennessee, but like I said, with more leaning towards uh, union alignment. Um, This neutrality was first violated on September 3rd when Confederate Brigadier General Gideon J. Pillow, acting on orders from Major General Leonidas Polk. Does that name sound familiar? Leonidas Polk? Yeah. Well, Leonidas does. (laughs) But yeah, Polk. uh, Do you remember National Treasure 2? I do. I do. Ed. Uh, the one that Ed uh, Harris is in. Yeah. His great-great-great-grandfather, the was one Leonidas? that did things, was Leonidas Polk. Gotcha. Um, occupied Columbus, Kentucky, which overlooked strong defensive bluffs to defend the Mississippi from federal offensive action and was the terminus of the Memphis and Ohio Railroad, which in turn leads southward to the extremely important Charleston and Memphis Railroad again moves to where the south were trying to secure the same thing but expanding into northern territories to try to take control of their supply chains and take uh, control of their uh, supply routes and stuff like that but ultimately of course excuse me it wound up failing uh, the Confederates did install 140 large guns, underwater mines, and a heavy chain that stretched a mile across the Mississippi River to Belmont while occupying the town with a hun- or 17,000 Confederate troops 
thus cutting off northern commerce to the south and beyond. So even the Union sympathizers, they were trying to cut them off and basically almost force them into, so to speak, a... I guess you can look at it in a, a imperial if you want to draw yeah. a, a comparison yeah. to uh, pop culture. Yeah. Um, they were almost acting in that join us or, or die yeah. scenario, so to speak, or, or employing the old uh, um, talking of Leonidas, the old Persian yeah. mentality. Join us or we're just going to kill you. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, thankfully, not like Genghis Khan, who just said, we're going to kill you. Yeah, there was no join us. There was, don't, you're not going to join us, we're just going to kill you. Uh, And then we're going to enforce our, like, you know. Our lifestyle. Lifestyle and DNA into your. Yeah, yeah. if we keep them alive, we're just going to breed them out. (coughs) Right. Yeah. Now, two days later, of course, Union Brigadier General Ulysses S. Grant, displaying the personal initiative that would characterize his later career, seized Paducah, Kentucky, which was a major transportation hub of rail and port facilities at the mouth of the Tennessee River. Henceforth, neither adversary respected Kentucky's proclaimed neutrality, and the Confederate advantage was lost. The buffer zone that Kentucky provided between the North and the South was no longer available to assist in the defense of Tennessee. So that's where you started having a lot more direct battles within the state during that stretch of time. You know, one of my favorite stories that had to do with uh, Grant was he was, you know, he was the most successful Union general. Right. right. He had the best record, but he was known to be somewhat of a lush. And, and there were a lot of complaints in, like, journals and all that about his drinking. Oh, and yeah. And someone confronted the pre- president at the time, Abraham Lincoln, about his drinking and what Abraham Lincoln said in a letter back to them was, well, maybe I should find out what he drinks and send some to my other generals. That's one of my favorite things. He's like, well, he's winning, so why would I? Right. Hey, man, stop drinking so much. Nah, bro, he's winning. Right. That whole, just that whole, like, well, maybe I should find out what he's drinking and send a case to the other generals. Just to shut up, we're winning. Right. It's one of my favorite stories about Grant. I like that. It, that, yeah. that yeah. yeah, that's an awesome story. I'd never, yeah. like, like so well, maybe yeah. I should just find out what he's drinking because y'all aren't winning. <laughs> Again, another uh, another parallel to, to the world of, of sports, you know. Yeah. What are they drinking? Gatorade? <laughs> Let's get some. Let's get some Gatorade. Yeah. Let's make our own. We'll call it Powerade. Now, by early 1862, a single general, Albert Sidney Johnston, commanded all the Confederate forces from Arkansas to the Cumberland Gap, but his forces were spread too thinly over a wide defensive line, and Johnston's left flank was Polk. In Columbus, with 12,000 men, his right flank was Brigadier General Simon Bolivar Buckner in Bowling Green, Kentucky, with 4,000 men, the center consisted of two forts, Forts Henry and Donelson, and under the command of Brigadier General Lloyd Tillman, also with 4,000 men, Forts Henry and Donelson were the sole positions defending the important Tennessee and Cumberland rivers, respectively. If these rivers were open to Union military traffic, two direct invasion paths would lead into western and eastern Tennessee and the vital Memphis and South Carolina Railroad and more. Basically, 
you you know the 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 shape of a splitting mall yeah it is just a giant wedge that's basically what they were trying to do with the state of tennessee at that point in time was drive that splitting mall right down through the middle of the state of tennessee so they could have access to both the the middle and western as well as east tennessee and mm-hmm. then all the tributaries down the 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 rivers and and railroad lines coming out that spider webbed out of that mm-hmm. or not that spider web would be more like the roots of a tree that come out from that to be able to gain hold solidly and and Tennessee proved to be while Kentucky claimed to be like it, we said a, a neutral state mm-hmm. both sides were trying to gain definitive advantage over the other by taking control of that area mm-hmm. and and it was almost like you know there was this this sturdy build that was coming up or was trying to become a sturdy build up out of the deep south yeah up with the the plateau not to to make a pun because you know this is stretching from uh uh literally in the plateau (laughs) yeah along the cumberland plateau um up into what will be a tabletop into that plateau and as it said, the, the Confederate forces were stretched so far across the top of it that it just, it, it couldn't withstand that central blow right there in the middle. They needed to fortify more from the sides and come into the middle, but without the, the number of, of troops available and without the number of additional support from outside states, I mean, because of course, if you go west of the Mississippi, they're like, who cares? Yeah. We're we're looking for gold. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we've got this massive expanse of land. There's so much land out here that I I, I don't care what the the person way over there is doing, much less the person in another state is doing. But it just there was such a a huge culmination because I mean, if you look even today. Even to this day, February 6, 2024, if you look at a population map, mm-hmm. you know, just looking it up on uh, uh, whatever search engine you want to use, yeah, the densest population is coming in to the Mississippi on the eastern half of the United States. Then you get this huge gap in the middle, and then once you get over to, like, California... Mm-hmm. And just basically the state of California, you have another huge populace. Mm-hmm. But, and then, of course, down in Texas. But there's still a lot more land than there is people in Texas. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got this huge expanse of land, even to this day, that is either deemed as being uninhabitable or it's just that a majority of people can't stand the, the, the environment, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be, during the seasons. And not a lot of people live there. But nothing in that aspect has changed since... I mean, the the density of population has, of course, changed. But the fact that not many people have really done any sort of settlement Mm. west of the Mississippi River until you get all the way to the other side of the country. Yeah. Because it's just... 
hard to live. The but terrain, yeah. the weather, the... I mean, yeah, it's, it is wild to think. And uh, speaking of that, uh, have you seen... This This is a conspiracy tangent. I, don't, I think we've discussed this before. Um, if you look... If you put two maps on top of each other, one, the maps of disappearances in the country. Oh, and on them top being... Of the caves. Yeah. Yeah, like... Near the massive majority cave systems yeah. or national parks. The fact that they line up with each other. Oh, yeah. Wendigo. Uh, there could Sasquatch, be a multitude of things. Oh, man, I... Cave dwellers. Yesterday. Like yes, in the movie Descent. <laughs> yesterday, as I'm driving in, uh, one of my favorite scenes to see as I'm driving into work from mm-hmm. where I live now is the fact that I get to come down the hill going across the bridge of the French Broad right there in yes, front yes, of yes, the... Before the, the big blue roof building. Yeah. It's one of my favorite views, man. You wind up seeing almost the 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 majority of the mountain ranges that make up what would be the Great Smoky oh, Mountains. Clear, cold day. Oh, the, the <sighs> view when you don't have any of the haze, whenever you don't yeah. have the Shaconahay. The Shaconahay. Uh, going on out there. It's a beautiful view, and you sit there, if you know that this same mountain range, that this same area was once, whenever it was Pangea, oh, yeah. was all part of the same mountain range as Scotland, Scotland yeah. uh, the Scottish Highlands and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's It's mind-blowing to think that the stories and the fables and the tales that you hear about creatures, cryptids, and stuff like that in From that area are the the, the yeah the mm. the potential same things that are existing in the Great Smoky Mountains. Funballer, the Demon King. In 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 our you know in our backyard in this capacity, you look and you see that, and it's like the I, I'm not gonna vehemently deny it. Yeah. That there is that possibility, and we know that whenever it comes to mountains, that the the mountain range on the west of Mississippi, the Rockies, Ooh. is a very young mountain yeah. range. Yeah, compared that to is that has recently happened, where the Appalachian Mountains, because it's already gone through its rocky phase, it's now in the point where, you know, the trees for centuries at this point have have grown back over it, and it has become. A a, uh, uh, it's no longer this. I don't know. This just occurred to me in a sense that the the what's happening in the Rockies is is almost like a a version of the existence of of the planet in a sense, like just on a, a micro scale. Like yeah. right now, the Rockies are supposedly like going through the Ice Age and or the Stone Age. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas the Appalachian Mountains, already gone through that stuff. the Scottish Highlands has already gone ago. through that stuff. Yeah, well yeah. before and and at some point in time, it you know likely will not be in our lifetimes. Would we see? But you can see in a sense. This stuff is creeping up mm-hmm. the Rockies, so eventually they will look like us. Yeah, at some point in time. At some point in time, they're supposed to. But yeah, I just just talking about like the mountains and 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 the undwelled area of like quote unquote the some of the Midwest 
made me think like, well, that's also an area that if you put your maps on, right, map on top of each other, if you follow this this trail of belief, a dangerous place to live because so many things could live there that you wouldn't know really exist. Right. And might be a big reason that people, people don't, don't live, live in that area. They've never stayed there is because they're like, well, there's some damn creature that's killing us <laughs> or a taking chup- our kids. A, a chupa, chupacabra. Chupa thingy. That chupa thingy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's wild to think that like even today in 2024, there is still an area of this country that's deemed like uninhabitable. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, you kind of want to in the United States, there's, there's a massive desert. Yeah. You, you really don't think about it. I mean, you're, we're in our, our little corner of East Tennessee and, and I know for me to drive back to where I'm from, it's a five plus hour drive. Mm. There's literally almost the expanse of an entire state, you know, eight to 10 hours. That's nothing but desert. So, uh, or anything could yeah could reside yeah I mean and that's the last place I'd want to live is the vast desert right A the lack of water and B things that rattle and bite you oh yeah C- big birds the, that the scavenge things and like like when I saw that uh, I guess there's like very few like condors left alive like yeah Big birds, the condor. Giant raptors, megafauna. Yeah, they're megafauna. They literally are megafauna. Yeah. And so, like, I didn't know much about this condor. And when I researched it, I was like, mm mm, mm mm, mm mm. Birds shouldn't get that big. There's no reason that a condor should be able to pick me up if it felt like it. Right. Like, it can wrap its talons on my shoulder, pierce my skin, and carry me off. Where do you think the golden eagles come from? Exactly. Uh, and even certain falcons and, and eagles are that size, too. Yeah. I'm like, no. No. There, someone needs to write a letter to whoever <laughs> created these megafauna and say, I thought there were rules. Dear how Jeebus. Did they, how did they survive this long? You know, we should hunt these things. You know, I, f- I feel anything megafauna, no disrespect, to like lions and tigers. They're technically megafauna of cats. Yeah. But like sharks shouldn't get a certain size. Snakes shouldn't get a certain size. Spiders shouldn't no, get a certain no, size. No, no, no titan boa. No, no, no uh, giant uh, megalodon. Megalodon. Mm-mm. See, I don't, I don't, I don't do sharks. If snakes get a certain size, like I can pick up a gardener snake. I'm fine. Even if it bit me, I'd be like, eh. But I digress. Right. Uh, venturing back from this <laughs> little journey off of the beaten <laughs> path that is the, the discussion of the Battle of Fort Henry. Um, bringing it back. the the Like we said, the Battle of Fort Henry definitely proved to be a very pivotal move for the Union forces because it did for sure... Um, Disrupt, oh yeah, some of the major uh, supply lines for the the Confederate forces. Now, to kind of tie the two things together, the tangent and the main subject, 
I wonder if at any point in time, going through Kentucky, uh, uh, Mammoth Cave, um, the fact of, of Kentucky being of, of neutral mentality because they're like, there's things in these hills that don't care if you're wearing blue or gray. It's going to, it's going to get you. It's just going to get you. Um, that that may be part of that mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and even the same thing for the state of Tennessee. Um, I recently saw a thing um, where people just as recently as the 50s and 60s talking about the wampus cat. Yep. That is one of the cryptids. So, I mean... Of Tennessee. Yeah. I, I can only imagine that 100 years ago, 200 years ago, the the things that potentially have been experienced in these in them nar hills um, by... Oh, you know, Confederate Kentucky or Union forces. Kentucky and East Tennessee with, like, all the coal mines and things like that. Heck, there could be, like, little goblins living in there, and you'd never know. Uh, uh, people who have gone feral. Yeah, like in the descent, that entire race of of uh, feral golem-looking people. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Kentucky also is the home of the blue people. Yeah, from uh, having too much um, lime. Yeah, whatever coal, it is. Whatever's in the water. Yeah, they're living around the coal areas. Yeah, their skin's literally blue. Has turned blue. The, I mean, I got to see one in live action uh, when my mom was principal in Breathitt County, Kentucky, Jackson, which is actually where Fire Down Below was filmed with Steven Seagal, as well as Justified with Timothy Oliphant took place in Jackson. Oh, wow. And so, like, she was a principal for three years in that little community. And I got to see a real blue person. And I got to see a community that truly, like, A, doesn't care, and B, does not know of the going-ons of the rest of the country. Just... Oh, the fact that in these areas that there are still people that haven't changed in that capacity. Yeah. Uh, looks like a, a, a scene from uh, Nothing But Trouble while they're yes. driving through Vulcanvania. Yes, yes, exactly. And I also learned what a doodle was. You know what a doodle is? A, a, like a, a rough drawing? No, not a doodle. A partially born chicken still in its egg. Warm enough to have a fetus in it. That, but what these kids will do is there's this one bus route that if the kids don't want to go to school, when the bus is coming up that holler, they will throw doodles at it, at the bus. So it's eggs that they've taken out from under the hen hen early. So it's partially formed. Oh, oh. And they will throw them at the bus. Oh, no. I was like, oh. No, thank you. Okay, so crazy ravenous breath at kids too you ain't gotta worry about sasquatch or some wampus cat you've got the locals to worry about they're the cryptids wrong turn and jackson exactly wrong turn uh saw saw a few wrong turn type people too in the breath at county area and 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 that's something that has not changed since <laughs> probably the These civil days, war the civil war yeah 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 Craziness. Imagine employing an entire family of cannibalistic 
people be like, we'll give you, we'll let you lead all the soldiers you want if you put on this blue coat. <laughs> Don't bite us. Right. But those people over there that are trying to kill us, eat them. The, the, anything in gray. Yeah, anything in gray you can have and eat. Ugh. Ugh. I, I mean, it, there are things that you, like, okay, so there are, there were thousands of people that fought and died in these battles yeah. in in what would be the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. How many of those peoples kept some kind of a journal or wrote home to to loved ones or whatever the it's case like well may over be? Half. Just throwing out a, a, a yeah. j- just I don't know if that's generous or if that's being conservative, but yeah. we'll just say let's say half. On either side of of all the people who fought in the Civil War, kept a journal, kept a journal or some sort of correspondence to a loved one writing home, whatever the case may be. Out of that. The number of people that actually saved these things, saved these letters, saved these journals. uh, Not necessarily someone of major import like a, a. uh, lieutenant or mm-hmm. you know uh, of course we know that Grant and and all uh, of their uh, journals were saved. Yeah, they all saved yeah. these things or whatever. But uh um Gary Duke from, you know, Cotton Swab Holder, East Tennessee decided that, you know, he was going to be a, a union faithful and and fight for the the side of the union. Um, I was sitting, you know, in, in muster, I was sitting with so-and-so from, from Boston the other day and was talking about the different things that we've had to experience in the, the backwoods of East Tennessee. And, you know, like that particular, yeah. yeah, something that they may be writing about that just, that didn't get kept or, you know. The, the, even the military then was like reading, you know, editing the the stuff. letters and stuff, yeah. and either editing yeah. or or just scrapping. Nope, that's that's not going. Yeah, because nobody needs to know. Literally, the the early versions of like redacting stuff. Yeah, blacking out certain information. I guarantee you, just because they weren't modern like we are, I still guarantee you, they kept stuff. Oh yeah, secrets. I mean, some do you of, have any posts the, going out, and then they take all the that? Some of the early crap that we hear about Bigfoot in general. There were even writings in during this revolutionary and Civil War times. Yeah. About the hairy men that were seen in the woods, Bigfoot. And I mean, then there's cave drawings. Yeah, from and it, long before that. And the people that take the time to go find all these sources. And there are still wind up being contingents of people that that don't believe it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if we <laughs> didn't get those those kind of letters that were kept, we also wouldn't know about the Battle of Shrew Farms. You know. <laughs> but this 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 is definitely another one of those would like to have a a way to to, to actually go back. go back. Yes. And and experience in some capacity what actually did happen in some of these instances. Um, well, I saw a thing the other day that said that um, time travel might exist, but time travel doesn't exist to come to the past because we would have had someone come to the past already. Right. If 
if we already haven't. Right. I don't think we'd know right. if they have. But they said, like, I definitely think that one day there'll be time travel to go into the future, but you wouldn't be able to come back because of what the equation is. Right, it's that. just you, you could only go one future. direction and that You'd be stuck there. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but at the same time, sir, who's taken more classes than I have, <laughs> why would we know if somebody has... You know, we wouldn't know. A, our government would get wind of it before we would. Right. And B, I don't know any time traveler that would be walking around saying they're a time traveler. Other than the ones that want to get clicks on... On TikTok, TikTok. exactly. The TikTok time travelers. Because... Another uh, subset of that is because they would be locked up, either in an insane asylum or our government would get a hold of them and be like, you're not able to, we're not letting you out. You know things. Right. We need to know those things. Yeah. You think we're going to let you go yeah, if for you a walk have through indeed, Target? Yeah, you if you indeed me? have come from the future, what's what has no. happened? What, what wars have? Any country's government is not going to let you roam free. No. No. So I say to time travel, I think it's very possible that it's already happened, but we, the normal, quote unquote, will never know. If if this if this is indeed a simulation as Douglas Adams, yes, presented it in the fact that the Earth is a mega computer, yes, that was constructed just to run a multi million year program mm-hmm. to figure out the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. Which the answer is 42, if you didn't know. Yes. Um, Jackie Robinson. I'm 42. You're 42? You are uh, 42. Yes. Uh, that, that a lot of this stuff would make sense, but if it is indeed that particular scenario and it was built by cosmic beings, then surely... There is a record that has been kept of all the things that have happened mm-hmm. and exactly how they happened because they're able to see where the the sub programmers the the mr smiths yes of of the the program the simulation the simulation as it were are are like the rockefellers the the uh yes. Those people, uh, I can't think the black, Carnegie's. black whatever. Um, I, I the, the name escapes. No, no, not the Blackwoods. <laughs> not R W. Not R W. The entire time, the whole time. Uh, the, you know, getting into like the Illuminati oh, and yeah. and like the the black Black Rock. Oh, I oh. think that's what it is. Yeah, uh, uh, Skull and Bones, the secret societies, yeah, the like secret all this societies. stuff. Those are your the sub golden circle. Yeah, those are your sub programmers that that are are um, controlling the the substructure yes. of of what the programming is. But if we could access quote unquote the mainframe, we could go back and find these files. Yes, to be able to see the time. actual events as opposed to the sub programmers who are the victors yes. who wrote the program. What the the this is a whole nother episode. Yeah, uh, we do need to we do need to start diving into like like once a month or something. Do like a a weird Wednesday or something where we just dive into crazy stuff. Hey, that works. For I between dig two it. barrels, right? 
But this is actually a, a good time because we're right at an hour. Yeah. Uh, to go ahead and wrap up the the regular. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to uh, continue more discussion over on the Patreon cut of things, and you can become part of that extra discussion, that uncut stuff, for as low as a cup of coffee a month. Go to tldstudio66.com, scroll on over to support, and you will find out how to become a patron. We are very gracious to those who are currently patrons and Patreon members, and we will definitely see you all over on the Patreon cut. However, if you are not, this is where the journey ends for you. The tribe has spoken. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. To our gracious legends who listen uh, week in and week out, episode in and episode out. Be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. Stay safe out there. And as always, cheers to you, legends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Between Two Barrels. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information about what's happening with any of the Studio 66 shows, make sure to like follow, subscribe, click the thumbs up, whatever you have to do to make sure you get your fill of this legendary content. To do so, search Studio 66 on Facebook or Instagram, or the Studio 66 playlist on YouTube from Tennessee Legend Distillery. You can also subscribe to our Patreon channel, patreon.com slash tldstudio66, for additional content for all of the Studio 66 shows, as well as gifts from the different Studio 66 podcast and Tennessee Legend Distillery. And if that wasn't enough, you can also visit our website, tldstudio66.com, where you can find links to all of the shows and podcasts, as well as merchandise for all of the individual podcasts. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. Heck, you can even leave us a voicemail if you like via SpeakPipe, or send us an email at tldtube23 at gmail.com. However you go about it, make sure you don't miss out on getting even more legendary info about the studio, as well as the distillery from Studio 66, presented by Tennessee Legend Distillery. <laughs>